0: Welcome to the week 14 sit start podcast. I'm Eric Smith and I am joined by Ryan Heath as always to go through the toughest sit start decisions of the week and boy, do we have some tough ones this week, Ryan, because the NFL has decided in their grand wisdom uh, for scheduling that they're going to make us have six teams on a buy in the final week of the fantasy football regular season. So I'm not sure why they don't consult us before setting the schedule, but they have made our lives very difficult as we scratch and claw to make the fantasy playoffs Uh, playoffs start next week in most leagues, but we got one more to go here with a limited player pool. So uh, Ryan, we're going to try to figure this one out. It's tough. We've got injuries. We've got players on by a little bit of everything. How are you doing this week? And um, are your rosters in shambles too?
1: I'm doing pretty good, Eric. And honestly, we can complain about these buys all we want. But then when I pull up the list of teams on by it's the Atlanta Falcons, the Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers, the Indianapolis Colts. The New Orleans Saints and the Washington Commanders. I don't know if I could have picked six teams myself that have less fantasy relevant players. Like, if we were going to have this stupid six team bye week right before the playoffs, I, at least it's those teams.
0: Yeah, I think uh, all of us Alvin Kamara uh, managers—they're doing us a favor. He scored a touchdown exactly one week this season. We've been waiting for it all year for the uh, the next three touchdown game. Um, Yeah, give us the bye week; we can sit him finally and just enjoy our lives without him in our lineup. So, yeah, it could be a lot worse. But uh, the the rankings certainly do fall apart once we get to oh, I don't know, running back eighteen range, uh, wide receiver. You mentioned I think maybe in the early thirties. So it is definitely felt as we get farther into the the depth of the rankings this week. So um, as always, check out the sit start article on qblist.com. We'll cover every fantasy relevant player, but we are going to go through some of the most important decisions this week. But we're going to start off with um, kind of a look ahead past this week to uh, the fantasy football playoffs and some roster strategy. Uh, I, I know a lot of you are scratching and clawing to make the playoffs, but some of you all are uh, sitting back with your feet up and you're starting to look at your rosters for the playoffs. So we wanted to give you a little bit of advice here on how to prep, how to set your roster, how to look at strategy for the playoffs, because uh, the fantasy playoffs really are a different beast from the regular season, Ryan. Like we, It's almost a different game once we get into the playoffs.
1: It really is. Yeah. And there there are a lot of different kind of strategies you should be keeping in mind. I think the first thing when you're getting close to the playoffs is just managing your bench and kind of looking at the matchups that different players you have are going to be seeing coming up. And if there's a player on your bench that you you don't need to play this week and you you don't really love his matchups in weeks fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, he he's droppable. Like that, there mm-hmm. are. We'll go into it a little bit more in depth with some of these teams, but there are players you might not expect that I, I think is are totally fine to drop. Where like the biggest consideration is, do I want somebody else to be able to play him this week if he has like one? good matchup left or something like that.
0: Yeah. So let's get into some of the points here. Um, I always like to start out to stress to people to prioritize the current week of the playoffs because it does not matter how good your team is. If you lose, uh, it is over. So uh, make sure you put everything you can into that first week of your playoffs, even if it means sacrificing some depth. Um, It's survive in advance for sure. So that should be your first priority is setting your best lineup when it comes to next week. Um, Another thing you can watch out for is blocking your opponent. Once you know who you're playing, uh, whether that's through fab or hoarding a position that they need, Uh, make sure to check your opponent's roster. You might be able to block them on uh, the last good quarterback option or the last good tight end option. So keep an eye on that. And then kind of like you mentioned, Ryan, uh, we're going to see some players get cut this time of the year that we would not normally see get cut, whether it is Teams tanking, like maybe they're stashing some keepers, depending on your league type. Or, like we said earlier, like you're just never going to play that wide receiver seven on your roster. So uh, you cut him. It may be useful for your team, a player that someone else cuts. So after Fab next week, kind of watch that next round of cuts because some players might pop up there that normally would not. And maybe that's your RB2. Maybe that's just the way it fits your roster. So um, those are a couple of the quick hitters that I like to mention up top, like just some strategy that changes as we reach the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's easy to kind of forget, like the season is a long one. Uh, it's been a while since I've even had to be in the mindset of fantasy playoffs. It's been been an entire year. So always good to get some reminders. Uh, why don't we move into some teams that we've identified of just having generally tough playoff schedules, uh, not, not so much against a certain position, but just, just kind of in general. Um, so the first team that I saw was the Seattle Seahawks in weeks 15 through 17. They get the San Francisco 49ers uh, who are a tough matchup pretty much against every position right now. The Kansas city chiefs uh, that could be a shootout type of game, but also could be a negative game script if we're relying on any of these guys in the Seahawks backfield. Uh, and then they get the Jets in the fantasy championships in week 17, which is another just kind of across the board tough matchup. Uh, we're going to get into the Seattle backfield in depth uh, later in on in this show. But I would just say up front, like I would say it's a big point that it's going to be tough to play anybody in this backfield after this week. Like, it, if you need to pick up a DJ Dallas to spot start him right now, fine. But I, I, unless it's an I'm going to block my opponent type thing, like you talked about, I don't know that any of these guys are super priority ads just because of this rough schedule. Yep.
0: Yeah. I would agree with you. Like you said, they play the Panthers this week. So if one of these backups to Kenneth Walker, um, if he does not play, if they help you this week, grab them. But like you said, it's probably not worth grabbing them when you've got that week 15 matchup against San Francisco coming. So good thing to keep in mind. Again, these are the things you need to look at this time of the year. Um, Another one for you, Ryan, looks like the Raiders have a pretty tough schedule here.
1: They do. Yeah. So in week 15, they get the New England Patriots, uh, then the Pittsburgh Steelers, whose defense has pr- completely changed seemingly overnight. I mean, getting TJ Watt back will do that for you. Uh, and then in week 17, they again get the 49ers. 49ers cropping up as a defense a lot on this list. Yeah. Uh, so what this means, th- those are three really tough matchups, uh, especially for running backs. Obviously Josh Jacobs, you would play him through all of these just based on workload, but if you have Josh Jacobs, I wouldn't even bother rostering a handcuff. I can't imagine that an Amir Abdullah is gonna crack like the top 30 at running back if he were the starter in any of these games. I mean you're you're the running back ranker here, Eric. Am I am I underestimating the um how bad and how not deep the position is, or would, would you say that checks out?
0: Yeah, that checks out. I mean, we've got a lot more exciting options, even when we get lower in our rankings than we do this backfield behind Jacobs. So uh, I agree with you there, and I do think Mac Hollins is a good one to point out. He's kind of the perfect example of this. He's been pretty decent this year, and he's a, a, not a bad streamer wide receiver if you have a, a rough, you know, rough group there at that position. But in the fantasy playoffs against New England, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco, I don't think you're going to want to play Matt Collins. So it's time where you can probably shed, shed some depth, uh, get rid of him and pick up uh, maybe a handcuff or something else. We'll talk about here later. So um, I would agree with all of that. Um, our final tough matchup here, Ryan, is the Jaguars, they play uh, Dallas, the jets, and then the Texans. So if you can hold out until week 17, it looks like you're in good shape with the Jaguars, but it's going to be rough sledding before that in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I we are going to talk about their backfield a bit, too, but I I don't think you have to hold like a Zay Jones if you have a lot of depth at the receiver position and he's not likely to crack your lineup. Like if the only good matchup he's going to see is in week 17, like I think it's fine to drop him for maybe a higher upside like handcuff like we're going to talk about here in a minute.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this week, if you need them against Tennessee, that is a pass funnel defense. But we've also got Trevor Lawrence. He says he's going to play, but he got hurt last week. And, you know, I I think there's enough reasons here. Zay Jones, if you need the roster spot, you can move on, even though he has been pretty impressive this year. So um, if you are looking to add some players, you know, you kind of freed up some spots by cutting some of these players with a bad schedule. Uh, I do think this is the time of the year where handcuffs make a ton of sense. Uh, Once we get this late in the season, like we've seen most of the breakouts this year, most players are not going to just spark off the bench and overtake the starter. It's just not what happens this time of year. What's more likely to happen is one of these running backs gets hurt and maybe like a Samaj Pirine pops up and all of a sudden they're startable. So I do think this is the time of the year where I would advocate for having a a handcuff stashed on your bench, which I don't during the season. So um, Ryan, which are some handcuffs here you think are worth rostering for the fantasy playoffs?
1: Yeah, it can be your own handcuffs or it can definitely be other people's handcuffs as well. If you're looking for a little more of a high variance type of strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the first one that immediately jumped out to me and this is a handcuff a lot of that a lot of people haven't rostered and has kind of gone overlooked most of the season. But Dontrell Hilliard is only rostered in 13 percent of Yahoo leagues right now. Uh, the Titans get Houston and the Chargers in weeks 15 and 16. Uh, those are two top five running back matchups in terms of fantasy points allowed for the entire season. If Henry were to go down, Hilliard is like a top 12 option, most likely in either of those weeks. So, I this is what I how I try to think. I, I try to think. Does this player have a path to being a top 12 or a top 24 option in any of these playoff weeks? And for Hilliard, it I think he does in multiple.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're desperate for weapons in that offense right now, uh, especially if Traylon Burks misses a week or two. So if something were to happen to Derrick Henry, um, they need to get the ball to the running back one way or another. So, yeah, I would agree with that. And we've seen him. Uh, you know, spike some touchdowns here or there anyway, playing behind Henry. So I I would agree Dontrell Hilliard is a good add.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a good player too. It's not, this isn't like a total cardboard cutout behind Henry or anything. Uh, So moving on, I also really like how Jalen Warren could potentially set up here. Uh, Najee has obviously been banged up throughout the year at different times. Uh, And in weeks 15 and 16, the Steelers get, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Carolina Panthers, both of those are top 12 matchups for opposing running backs. So again, like Warren could very easily be like a, a top 12 to top 16 type of play just, just with a Najee Harris injury. And that that's the type of upside that you want on your bench. And if you somehow have Najee Harris on your roster and you're playoff bound, then yeah, I, I guess roster him too at that point.
0: Yep, for sure. He came back last week and seemed to surpass Benny's now pretty quickly. So Warren looks like the backup there. Um, Jacksonville, they've got a couple interesting options here, Ryan, both Michael Hasty and Daryl Henderson. It's probably hard to know who to trust in this one. But um, if something did happen to ETN again, uh, they have a really nice schedule going too.
1: Yeah, well, I, well they one have week. one nice game, yeah, <laughs> in, which which is against Houston in Week 17. We don't we don't really care about the Dallas and the New York Jets games yep. in Weeks 15 and 16. But yeah, Hasty or Henderson could be really frisky in the fantasy championships. I would prefer Hasty. He's also much more widely available, so he he's probably the guy that is sitting around on your waiver wire. Uh he's only rostered in 11% of leagues, so that that's another one that I would say to add because he's seen some success in limited action this year as well. So that that's who I would lean to.
0: Yep. And then you also have Alexander Madison. That's a pretty obvious one. 34% rostered though. So he's out there. They play the Colts in weeks 15 uh, and uh, the Packers in week 17. Those are top 10 matchups. So Madison's a good one. Uh, a couple I thought of while you were going through yours, I, I think you could maybe make a case for Kenneth Gainwell if something happened to Miles Sanders. I I, I don't think it would be the Boston Scott show if Miles Sanders got hurt. So uh, Kenneth Gainwell is maybe on the radar a little bit there. And then uh, one we're going to talk about a little bit later, he's rostered a little over 50% of leagues. He should probably just be rostered regardless. But uh, James Cook for the Bills, he's seen a snap share increase. So uh, those would be a couple others I would kind of add on to the end of this list. I I think you want to stay away from the types in like the Ravens backfield, just because it's like a three-way split all the time. Like, let's look for some of these backfields that are maybe a little more consolidated right now and an injury might free up, up a lot of work.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. And I similarly, like, I, I don't care about the Broncos backfield, That like the Texans, like just, bad teams also are just not, we we can't rely on them to see appropriate game scripts, even if they do have theoretically good schedules.
0: Yep. All right. And then let's get on to defenses. Uh, again, I don't normally... I recommend rostering two defenses, but once you get to the playoffs, it becomes a little more reasonable. Um, But one way to kind of avoid having to roster two is if you can find a defense that has multiple playable weeks over the fantasy playoffs. Uh, So I kind of looked at um, defenses that have multiple playable weeks, which I just considered top 12 in Yahoo Weekly projections, like nothing scientific here, but just looking for some teams with some decent matchups. And actually a lot of the teams that are good defenses have the good matchups in the fantasy playoffs. There were a whole bunch of highly rostered defenses with 80% or more rostered that have some really nice fantasy playoff schedules. So um, it's a little rough this year trying to pick out uh, some available defenses, but I came up with a few here. Um, the Denver Broncos week 15, they have a home game against Arizona and week 16 at Los Angeles against the rate uh, against the Rams. I-, I think those are two matchups you could play Denver in for sure against the Rams and even Arizona. I think there's some sacks in play there. Um, I also came up with Pittsburgh Uh, week 15. They are in Carolina and then week 16 home against the Raiders. Uh, I think those are two you could consider playing. Um, Washington plays the Giants in week 15. And then these next two are kind of up in the air, but I think they have some potential Uh, week 16. Washington plays at San Francisco. We'll see how uh, Purdy looks by then week 17. They're playing the Browns. I would expect Deshaun Watson turns things around, but that could look a little better. Uh, if he's still struggling, come week 17. So Washington is kind of on the radar. And then I'd also mention the Browns here. Um, week 15, they play the Ravens. So that's possibly Huntley still playing instead of Lamar. And then the Browns play uh, New Orleans a week 16 and Washington week 17. So um, Denver, Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Browns, those are really the only ones I saw below 50% rostered that you could maybe get more than one week out of in the fantasy playoffs.
1: Yeah. I, I really like that call with the Browns. That's a, that's pretty cleanly like you could rely on them every single week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also want, they're, they're probably rostered in most leagues, but if the Kansas city chiefs are at all possible for you to get on your roster, I would do it. And I would hold them plus another defense uh, because they do get the Texans in week 15 and also the Broncos in week 17 uh, that I I'm flashing back now to drafting all my best ball teams and stacking the Kansas city and Denver players on the same rosters thinking that game was headed for a (laughs) shootout. Uh, so that, that's kind of funny looking back on it.
0: Yep. They're about a 83% roster right now. Um, but yeah, they have an excellent playoff schedule. So keep that chiefs defense if you have them. And then otherwise I broke my, uh, need to potential playable weeks in the playoffs. Uh, criteria here to include who plays the Texans in the fantasy playoffs I felt that was worth pointing out so week 15 is the Chiefs Um, week 16 Tennessee Titans honestly I I think one week against the Texans is worth rostering a defense for so they're in play and then even week 17 you probably don't need to get them now but the Jacksonville Jaguars play the Texans and I just we're at the point Ryan anyone against the Texans offense or defense really like just any player with a pulse I think we can play against the Texans
1: yeah, we absolutely can. It it brings back memories of like the, I, oh man, now I'm trying to think of the worst teams to s- stream fantasy defenses against in like the last seven years or so. Like the Lions in Lions. 20, 2014, it was Lions for a while. Browns in like 2015, I, they were playing starting Terrell Pryor at QB at one point. That That was fun to stream against. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Texans are kind of in that territory.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, pretty much our big recap. Uh, just looking ahead for fantasy playoffs and roster strategy you can use. We're obviously going to be breaking these sit-start decisions down on the podcast coming forward, but I uh, just thought it'd be worthwhile to get ahead of some of this stuff if you're uh, already planning. Uh, I would say if you have any chance this week to win and get a buy in the playoffs, that should be your number one priority because... Just not having the chance to get eliminated next week is uh, probably the the biggest advantage you can have. So hopefully that was helpful. Um, More playoff talk to come, though, in the following weeks for sure. So, uh, Ryan, I think that brings us to running backs. So um, I ranked my running backs this week. It was kind of a mess once I got past the RB20 range. Uh, So what kind of questions do you have for me on running backs this week?
1: Well, my first question was sort of an optimistic one of, are we back to trusting DeAndre Swift? Because I did play him in DFS this week. I was very happy with what I got out of him. Uh, can, can we just kind of lock him in as like a top 15 option going forward now?
0: Yeah, I think immediately after you posted this in the show notes today, uh, we got an update that he was limited in practice with an ankle, which was what he'd been dealing with early in the season. So thank you, Ryan, for that. But um, No, I think last week was his first week off the practice or off the injury report. I think he's probably okay. They're just taking it easy, but definitely monitor that. But Swift is kind of an interesting case now that we've kind of come out the other side of the struggles and the injuries. And we can kind of look back on the season as a whole. I mean, he still has three or more catches in seven of his nine games this season. He scored a touchdown in six of his nine games. And I know he was kind of skating by, getting lucky with these touchdowns while he was playing limited snaps. But... Um, everyone in this Lions backfield scores. I mean, Jamal Williams we'll get to in a minute has 14 touchdowns in 12 games. So uh, I think any Lion you play has a shot of scoring if they're a running back. So last week for Swift, he took 51% of the snaps. Um, Jamal Williams dropped to 30%. Uh, I thought it was kind of curious that Justin Jackson still kept his 21% of the snaps. So he did not disappear. I guess they're relatively committed to this three-man backfield, but obviously encouraging to see Swift take the lead. And I don't know. I I feel like the fact that he's relatively survived this stretch of low snaps, he was still giving you, you know, double digit PPR points this week. I think that's got to be pretty encouraging now that he's back to 50% of the snaps. So against Minnesota, I don't think it's a matchup that should scare us away from him. And I I feel pretty comfortable playing Swift. I've got him RB 14 and there's only maybe two players I would think of moving ahead of him. So I I think he's borderline RB one as crazy as that sounds.
1: I can't believe he's back on the injury report. I'm like, actually, I I don't know if this is irrational of me to say, but like that, that spooks me so much more than with any other player. Like, I'm not one that usually cares about like early week injury reports, but with DeAndre Swift, that's just bad, bad juju, man. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I all like, I largely agree with your take on things. It, I, I think just logically, as you said, yeah, he's been getting healthier and healthier playing more and more snaps. Uh, yeah, hard, hard to, hard to argue with him.
0: Yeah. Now Jamal Williams is fading a bit, but like I said, 14 touchdowns in 12 games, he's got six in his last four games, but there's some underlying stats that are worrisome. I mean, like I said, he played 30% of the snaps last week. Uh, he has not been targeted since week eight, which is kind of wild. Um, but again, like all these lines running back score touchdowns. So I, I think we keep playing them both. Um, Williams only has two games over 12 PPR points since the week six by. So he, he's definitely not that RB1 we saw in the past, but I would still feel comfortable. I've got him RB22. Like I, I've, I've still got him in the starting range. He's just more of an RB2 now. And obviously if something were to happen to Swift, uh, he bounces back up to near RB1 status.
1: Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Like it, we can say, "Oh, Jamal Williams scoring all these touchdowns is so fluky," but it, I mean, it's because he gets an insane amount of goal line work, and the Lions are extremely run heavy in the red zone. So it's kind of yeah. seems like it's all kind of by design. Sometimes guys just have Legarrette Blunt type seasons. I remember that one from. 2016 when Blunt was on the Patriots and sco- scored a ridiculous number of touchdowns. And that, that was where all of his fantasy points came from. So, yep. I, again, just as you said, uh moving on.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's something that we can certainly not believe in next year going into our drafts, but while it's happening in the season, like, uh, yeah, we just got to play him. I think if you, if you need him, go ahead and play Jamal Williams.
1: All right. Well, the next place I wanted to go was the Seattle backfield. Uh, I I don't know that we do have a great answer yet this early in the week, but tell me what you're seeing in these practice reports, Eric.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's hard for me to really advocate anyone right now other than Kenneth Walker if he were to play Um, but both Kenneth Walker with a foot injury and DJ Dallas I believe it's an ankle uh, they both missed practice on Wednesday so that's two of the running backs injured Uh, Travis Homer did return to practice Wednesday after missing last week with a knee injury and an illness Uh, Homer is more of a third down back though which obviously that's good for PPR purposes but I'm not sure that he's a bell cow. Um, Tony Jones got carries last week when like everybody was injured, Uh, but we also now have Wayne Gallman involved and Darwin Thompson is on the practice squad kicking around. So uh, there's a bunch of horrible names here. Uh, Obviously, if Kenneth Walker plays, you just have to trust him and, and put him in your lineup, I would say. I don't know that I really want to play any of these players in Seattle unless like two of these guys are out maybe i think there's got to be multiple out for me to feel real comfortable in this so i don't know it's a good offense they're playing carolina so it's a good matchup like i want to get more excited but as of wednesday night like just with all this uncertainty like i just don't believe that travis homer is going to get 20 touches come sunday so that's kind of what i'm holding back on we'll we'll see how it shakes out but um i don't know i might look for some other options on waivers if, if you need to start one of these guys
1: Yeah, I think Homer is in play in PPR if Dallas and Walker are out. Yeah, like he's going to take that pass catching role, as you said. If there were a scenario where Homer was out, uh, it would it would make either one of the earlier down guys like really interesting plays to me like i i'd be pretty happy to play dj dallas as the lone man in the seattle backfield like he i mean he's got like the feature back size he could ki- he can kind of do it all uh, if yeah. you've heard pete carroll talk about dj dallas you would be pretty confident in it too yeah. uh but yeah that that's like my basic take i guess i i can't believe darwin thompson is a name that we're saying on the podcast this year
0: yeah darwin thompson he's been on the practice squad they just added wayne gallman tony jones i didn't even know was in seattle like this is this is quite a group after the the regular three so stay tuned on that one but uh yeah i i am uh pretty skeptical on this situation so hopefully Kenneth walker gets back soon all right eric so
1: the Next place I want to go is all of a sudden we don't feel good about Jeff Wilson jr. Apparently uh, after we've been, we've been singing his praises uh, before his injury. If you go back a month and a half or so. So what what's going on here?
0: I don't know. Honestly, Uh, he dropped down to 37% of the snaps last week, uh, his lowest of the season since joining the dolphins. That was Mostert's first game back from a one game absence due to injury. So it seems a little curious. They, spiked Mostert snaps on his first game back, Uh, but they did. They were playing San Francisco, maybe revenge game. Maybe they're trying to get Mostert going. They were also losing in this one, so it was a little bit of a weird game. They they didn't have the ball a ton, Uh, so I don't know exactly what's going on here, but he Jeff Wilson played behind Mostert in pretty much every situation, early downs, short yardage, third downs. It's not like he was just taken off the field in certain situations. He was playing behind Mostert. Uh, there was some speculation just out there that you know, Wilson only had three yards per carry the week that that Mostert was out and kind of disappointed and he had a drop last week and maybe Mostert has just passed him. I don't really know here. Um, it's it's worth looking into because they're playing the Chargers and the Chargers are still allowing a league high five point six yards per carry. So uh, I want to have a stance on these guys. I just worry a little bit that uh, I mean, you know, a little bit of the San Francisco stuff from the past. We're just kind of see a rotating cast here. I do think there's upside, though. So I have Mostert ahead for now at RB21. I've got Jeff Wilson down at RB27. Uh, There's some upside here. Uh, It's just I I don't know that there's a rhyme or reason why Mostert played more last week.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think you're... Treating this correctly, Uh, yeah, as you said, like we we have to be into at least one, if not both of them, against the Chargers. I, it's possible that there just isn't a whole lot of job security for Miami running backs. I we saw Chase Edmonds snaps like basically go to zero within like three weeks, so I I don't think it's out of the question that what like one thing happened that McDaniel didn't like, and he was like, well, it's the next man up, and like in true. Kind of Kyle Shanahan fashion. Uh, yeah. i'm Hey, it was supposed to be Jeff Wilson's revenge game too. By the way, this wasn't <laughs> old. Th- this should have been a revenge game for both of them. So, yeah, I don't know. I I think the I think the way you have it ranked is logical. But yeah, I, like Wilson could just as easily come out and outstap Mostert this week for all we know.
0: Yeah, but again, I mean, it's the Dolphins' offense, and I I do think it's worth taking a shot if you need to. Tua it seems like he's going to play. I'm not sure if him being banged up means they'll run more or the offense is just worse, but um, I, I do think they'll need the running backs a bit this week, so uh, hopefully a better week than we saw against San Francisco because San Francisco is a pretty brutal defense. So I guess if Wilson was going to have a bad week, it makes sense it was against San Francisco.
1: All right, let's move into the Bills' backfield. Eric, tell me about how James Cook is going to save all my best ball teams and make <laughs> me advance in the playoffs.
0: It might it might be happening, Ryan. Uh, I I kind of don't appreciate the Bills throwing us a curveball this late in the season. I was just like, kind of just going through the ranks this week, and I was like, wait, Devin Singletary played a season low forty four percent of the snaps last week. Like, where did that come from? I and mean, he was locked into like 70% plus all year, but out of, all of a sudden Devin Singletary saw his snaps scaled back against the Patriots last week. James Cook played 43% of the snaps. He had a higher rush share. So when he was on the field, he was more likely to get a carry than Devin Singletary. Uh, he also had an 18% target share, which we love. Uh, even Naheem Hines played on 31% of the snaps. So they're all kind of getting involved here, but suddenly we got a committee here for Buffalo. And if Cook, I mean, Cook has survived the early season, like drops, fumbles, whatever he had going on. He's come out of that. He certainly looks like a talented player. I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about Cook. I, like I said earlier, I think he's barely rostered in just over 50% of the leagues. So he might be out there. I'd probably go Adam, him regardless if you need help at running back. Uh, he's got some upside here. Um, and like, I don't know, like that game against the Patriots, it was a Thursday night game. So at first I was thinking, well, maybe it was a short week and they wanted to rest Singletary. But I'm pretty sure the week before that, uh, the Bills played on Thanksgiving. So it was a full week for the last week's Thursday night game. So, Ryan, I don't know if you saw anything in that Bills-Patriots game where you have a reason why they went to Cook all of a sudden. It, it might just be as simple as he's the better player here.
1: Yeah, I mean, even back on Thanksgiving, Cook was having a few flashes in that game as well. Like, the, I don't think it's totally come out of no- nowhere uh, but yeah, as you said, I, personally, I thought that James Cook just looked better when he was on the field. Like he just has a lot more explosiveness. I And I'm sure like the lower amount of touches that he's had so far this year is going to make him look more explosive this late in the season against all these tired defenses. But I, I mean, the Bills have... Been looking to add this dimension of a pass catcher out of their backfield to their offense for years, basically. Uh, like it didn't even start with drafting James Cook. They were going hard after JD McKissick. Uh, we thought kind we thought that that's what the Naheem Hines trade was about. It may have been more about special teams, but either way, it, I think it makes sense that now before the playoffs, they're kind of finally phasing cook in and seeing if he's a guy they're going to be able to rely on then so yeah i would be monitoring this for sure and there i do believe there is a possibility that we we could be talking about cook as like a clear top 24 option at some point in the fantasy playoffs
0: yeah i just kind of randomly picked uh going back to week nine um so the there have only been four games where running back had uh, over uh, 10% target share for the Bills, and three of those were James Cook. So he's had a last week 18%. Um, he had a 13% in Week 12 and uh, 12% in Week 9. Singletary also had 15% Week 9. But Cook has taken over that pass-catching role a bit uh, recently, so that's what we want in Buffalo. And if those snaps are anywhere near 40%, uh, I, I think we got something here. So I've got James Cook at RB30. Uh, yeah, RB-30 overall. Um, it's I mean, it's a very high-variance play. They're playing the Jets, a good defense. But, I mean, I've got him ahead of, like, Zonovan Knight because Michael Carter's coming back. Zonovan Knight's playing the Bills. Like, I would rather have James Cook in that situation. I'd rather play Cook over Kenyon Drake or anyone in that Baltimore backfield, uh, Kareem Hunt. Like, I, I don't know. I think he's kind of right after the the running backs we feel good about. And once you get past them, at least he has a little bit of upside here.
1: Yeah. I think my only quibble in this range is I might swap Knight with Michael Carter where you have them, but yeah, I, I think these are all similar types of plays. Uh, Sala was saying today that Zonovan Knight his is not going anywhere. I think we're his words. So I, yeah. yeah, should could be very interesting there with the jets as well.
0: Yeah. I didn't have them on the notes to talk about them. I, I had a little trouble what to do with them. I, have Michael Carter RB twenty eight and Zonovan Knight RB thirty one, so I, I kind of have them in the same range. So I wouldn't push back on that much. I, I guess I kind of thought I Carter might see more receiving work against the Bills, but who knows? I mean, we, we'll see how this shakes out. How healthy Carter is? They're both they're both right in that RB twenty five to thirty five range. So we'll we'll see how the Jets look this week. But um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty good on that that Bills Jets matchup. Should be a pretty fun one. Yeah, it definitely
1: should be. All right, so you have now written down a few more names of running backs that you apparently need my help ranking. I don't know why you'd be asking my help. I'm de- I'm definitely not the person to ask about running back ranks, but uh, d- just why don't you tell me what your struggle is with some of these guys?
0: Yeah, I started ranking at the top and I got to running backs 16 through 19 and kind of just threw my hands up after staring at them for... Uh, about 15 minutes. So um, yeah, help me with these, Ryan. We've got Isaiah Pacheco. I think he looked pretty good last week. He's been looking pretty good. 46% of the snaps last week. He is at Denver, tough defense. We've got Travis Etienne. We love Travis Etienne. Uh, He is at Tennessee, one of the toughest run defenses in the league, and Trevor Lawrence is banged up. We then have Damian Pierce at Dallas, awful offense, awful game script on tap. That is he's probably the lowest. We'll get to that. And then Najee Harris against Baltimore. Uh, He was back to 66% of his snaps last week, but Baltimore is allowing 3.8 yards per carry. So I kind of felt like these guys were all in the same range. They have their pluses and minuses. We like most of them as a player, but these matchups... Uh, are not fun, Ryan. And I don't know if we'd rather prioritize like Pacheco and the good offense or Najee Harris with more of a bell cow role or ETN with some explosiveness. Like, I I think you could make a case for all these guys. So uh, anyone you kind of prioritize over this group?
1: Yeah, I'm always in situations like this. I'm always going to defer to which who do I think is the best player, which, which of these players is most likely to make his fantasy day on a single play. And th- to me, that's very obviously Travis ETN. So I would pretty comfortably bump him up above Isaiah Pacheco. I, I might even prefer ETN to like Leonard Fournette against the 49ers who you have at RB 15. So he, the first thing I would do would be to push him up a little bit, uh, after that i guess i don't mind pacheco yes denver's a tough matchup on paper but th- this could very easily be a positive game script for kansas city and that that's kind of what pacheco needs uh and yeah then then after that i just want to push damian pierce down to the bottom like the- what is he supposed to do in this texans offense like I- I don't even, I don't know that there's much else to say about it. Yes. Najee Harris, uh, it, the Baltimore matchup is a really big pass funnel, but yeah, as, as you said, we would expect a bell cow roll from him. And yeah, I, I just have more faith in the Steelers to move the ball. than I do the Texans.
0: Okay. I think I'm on board. I moved uh ETN first, then Pacheco, then Harris and Damian Pierce last. Uh, that I, again, just that Texans team is so bad. I just can't get over it. So right behind Pierce, I have Deontay Foreman. He he gets moved ahead of Pierce if he gets a clean bill of health, I think pretty easily. He's kind of banged up right now. So we'll wait and see uh, behind him. Then we get into the Raheem Mostert-Jamal Williams range. I'm not sure I can get Pierce too much lower, but I, I don't know. Maybe I could keep dropping him. So uh, I'm not going to drop Leonard Fournette though, Ryan. I, he got 60% of the snaps last week and a bunch of targets. So I'm keeping him at the top of this group. I'm not going to give in on that one, but I like the rest of your arguments here.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. He, Yeah, he did come back and out-snap Rashad White, uh, as you said. And yeah, I, the way that the Buccaneers just utilize their running backs makes – both makes both of them legitimate options, even in a bad matchup uh, j- just because they run so many routes and see so many dump off targets from Tom Brady, who is desperately trying to pretend like he's going to make something happen on
0: offense. <laughs> it worked last week. So, all right. And then just a couple of quick thoughts here before we get out of here, we kind of touched on some of these, but Michael Carter back at practice. So um, kind of messy between him and Zonovan Knight. Uh, I have Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, both RB1s against the Texans. I just – I don't care. I'm playing both of them. There are very few players I'm going to sit them for because they could score four touchdowns between the two of them. And then, like I mentioned, Leonard Fournette returned last week, outsnapped Rashad White sixty to forty. But both of them saw a ton of targets, and I have them both as top twenty-five options, even against San Francisco. I actually just nudged uh, Rashad White up a few spots in my rankings too, as we were talking about this. So I, I think you can feel comfortable playing both Fournette and White. Um, they're White's talented, and Fournette's is going to catch a lot of passes. So I, we could do a lot worse at the position.
1: Now you've got me thinking about putting Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott in the same Millie maker lineup <laughs> on DraftKings. I feel, I feel like this, it, it sounds dumb, but that could actually work, right? Just the the Cowboys backfield super stack and they both somehow end up being optimal.
0: I mean, Zeke's scoring like 18 PPR points every week the last four, five weeks. Uh, I think Pollard's got a little more upside, but Zeke's seeing a lot of snaps. So I, you know, I, I'm not going to say no, Ryan.
1: Yeah, I guess the question is more, will anybody else do that? And I, I don't think anybody else will. So that that automatically makes it a good process in DFS. That's what I love about DFS.
0: Where does it get so bad that we're past Pollard and Elliott and we've got the third string running back in? That's possible, too. This, this Cowboys defense could put up 21 points on their own.
1: I can't even name the third string running back right now. It was it was a couple different guys at different points this season I remember we were speculating but yeah. Anyways, why don't we move on to wide receiver? Uh so I felt like I had trouble coming up with interesting names to talk about at receiver this week. There there's just not a whole lot going on at the position and yeah, once you get past like wide receiver 26, 27, they all just kind of feel equally bad uh, but we will start with hollywood brown who i have at wide receiver 19 against the patriots right now i could even maybe argue myself to get him a little bit higher narrow the gap between him and deandre hopkins when you zoom out and just look at the season that hollywood has had while i understand that deandre hopkins has not been on the field for most of it he had a or, Hollywood had a 30% target share in his first game back from injury in week 12 before their bye. Uh he basically he came in and alpha DeAndre Hopkins, right? Uh, he led the team in routes and he was mixing into the slot as well. Uh, because both Ron Nillmore and Greg Dortz were out. I I don't hate the idea of Hollywood Brown in the slot. Like that that kind of works for me. Uh, I the Cardinals are always going to just target their slot receivers at an inordinate rate, it may as well be someone like Hollywood that has some upside and can actually get down the field as well, have a different dimension to his game there. But he's had at least eight targets in every game since week one. And while it the Patriots as a matchup don't sound the best, like from kind of how we've been talking about them, I, actually, when I looked it up, in the last four weeks, the Patriots have allowed the 10th most uh, fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. And I I think maybe part of why we've been talking about the Patriots as this tough fantasy defense is just kind of happenstance of the matchups they've had earlier in the year. So just think, think about the wide receivers on these teams. I'm going to read out where they, where the Patriots were, like being this very stingy fantasy defense. So they played the Packers early in the season. Uh, I I don't know if Alan Lazard was even active for that game. This was pre-Christian Watson. Uh, They played the Bears, LOL, about all of those wide receivers. They played the Lions with Amon Ross St. Brown not playing most of the snaps. Uh, they played the Browns, uh, and they played the Zach Wilson Jets. So the, that was a pretty big chunk of their early season matchups. And I, I think I just think the secondary is maybe more beatable than we give it credit for. But believe me, it feels beatable watching it.
0: Yeah, I kind of wonder if the whole Cardinals team, maybe especially DFS purposes, we're kind of overlooking here. I mean, uh, it is a home game, so it's in Arizona. I don't have to deal with any you know New England weather. Uh, Kyler Murray missed his two weeks, but he came back, played a game against the Chargers, played fine, and then had a bye last week. I think we've kind of forgotten about this Cardinals team. Even James Conner, he's playing 97% of the snaps right now. Like I think there's some upside here. And as much as we joke about Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray playing Call of Duty and all this stuff, like... I'll still take Kyler Murray above half the quarterbacks in the league. You know what I mean? So there's some upside here, and we finally have Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins, and I wish we could get Rondale Moore back, but like I, I, there are some weapons here. So this may be a stretch where the Cardinals can turn it on a little bit here. So, I, yeah, I think it's worth pointing them out.
1: Yeah, you do lose me when you say we should consider the Cardinals in DFS. That's like my number one rule of DFS <laughs> is don't don't consider the Cardinals. It's all You always think it's a good idea, and it just never is.
0: Yeah, I definitely did that early season for sure. So uh, it did not work out for me. I, I see a 58 attempt game from Kyler Murray where he had 13 fantasy points. I guarantee you I played him in that one.
1: Yeah, no, I'm sure I did as well. <laughs> uh, so the next guy I want to talk about is DJ Moore. I am higher on him than consensus this week, I believe. I have him all the way up at wide receiver 28 against the Seattle Seahawks. So my when I was prepping for the show, I was like, uh, what do I do for a DJ Moore stat? I I'm just gonna figure out what his splits are with and without Baker Mayfield this year, right? The people will like that. So in seven games with Baker Mayfield this year, DJ Moore has averaged eight point one PPR points per game. And in the five games without Baker Mayfield, he has averaged 15.6 PPR points per game. That's like on the wide receiver one borderline season long. So I Baker Mayfield is on the Rams now, folks. So I, I like full speed ahead for DJ Moore, I guess. And I mean, yeah, like the target volume hasn't like super been there. I I think Darnold only attempted like 19 passes last week. So we we're going to need more than that for DJ Moore to probably have a good game but i mean seattle has been the seventh best matchup for opposing wide receivers in the last month and yeah like he, he's coming off a good performance before the bye it, it was his second hundred yard game of the season so i have no problem rolling dj moore out there i see i it sounds really high to have him ranked wide receiver 28 but You just like look at the guys below him. It's like I I put him over Adam Thielen and Darius Slayton. Are are we really getting mad about that over Jacoby Myers, who has done nothing in a month and a half? Yeah. So I, I just felt like there was some upside there and I went ahead and pushed him up the ranks.
0: I just saw Rondale Moore below him, Ryan, and uh, there's a little notification, no injury. I got real excited, and the notification was he didn't practice Wednesday, so now I'm I'm sad again. All right, um, next up, you've got Matt Collins. We talked a little bit about him earlier, but what do you have for him in this matchup against the Rams?
1: Yeah, so while his playoff matchups aren't great, I do think Mac Collins is usable in a pinch for this week. So what that means is if you are looking at your roster and you don't need to play Mac Hollins this week, then you, you can drop him. He, he is totally droppable in that scenario. But I do have him as the wide receiver 37 against the Rams. Uh, j- just looking at his oppo recently, uh, he's had 11.9 oppo per game over the last month. That would rank him as the wide receiver thirty-one. Uh, the Rams have allowed the fourth most points to opposing wide receivers in that time, and the Raiders actually have the eighth highest implied total of any team this week. So, this is the Thursday night game. I think Mac Hollins is a pretty good bet just to score a touchdown, see a handful of targets. Uh, I thinking about like my showdown lineups, I think I'm going to be playing a bunch of Mac Hollins captain, uh, because <laughs> Jacobs and Devonte Adams are probably going to be like 75 to 80% of all the captains in the field. So a- any way you can get different off of that. I approve of and Holland seems like one of the more logical options.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Rams are such a mess on offense that you just have to figure the Raiders are going to have the ball a ton and be in scoring position a lot i mean aaron donald's out um it's i think is he out for the year at this point i it, they've been shutting so many players down it's hard to keep up but yeah the rams are in shutdown mode and uh yeah it's another one of those situations you can play just about anyone on the raiders and i think it's a decent play this week
1: yep yeah is jalen ramsey shut down after travis kelsey embarrassed him a few weeks <laughs> ago something something like that yeah yeah All right. And then the last guy I just wanted to point out is DJ Chark. Uh, I have him ranked as the wide receiver 39. Uh, The Lions are playing the Vikings this week in what should be a shootout. It is the highest over under on the slate at 52 and a half. The Lions do have the third highest implied total of any team this week. So Again, hopefully lots of scoring chances. We talked about how the Lions mostly score on the ground, but if that happens to change, then Chark is in a pretty good position. Uh, Just looking straight at the oppo, Chark's only the wide receiver 49 over his last three, but this past week he saw 48% of the Lions air yards that ranked 12th in the league. And he also led the team last week by running 41 routes, uh, I, the big threat to this role that Chark has is Jamison Williams, who was active for the first time last week, but he ran only two routes. So I would think that Chark is safe in this field stretcher type role, and until we see otherwise, like there, I don't think they really have a reason to push Williams along super quickly. Like it. I Yeah, I I wouldn't expect Williams to go out and run all the routes this week, basically, is what I'm saying. So I I think Chark is in play just in a week with six teams on by where there's not a lot of receiver depth, like at least you get a little bit of upside.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you saw it, but they were going to play Jameson Williams as the punt gunner. I I don't know how many snaps he had on special teams last week, but that might have been where all his work was. I don't know
1: yeah i don't know what's going on with that That that's like some some dan campbell the rookie has to has to earn his keep type of deal i don't want to speculate on that too much
0: yeah uh I, we may need a full analysis on the lions come off season because they somehow managed to run the ball like crazy and still put up a lot of points and have some viable wide receivers it's a it's a fascinating offense with a good offensive line and a very mediocre quarterback but um it's been a wild ride for the lions. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. And they keep sneaking into these uh, highest uh, over under point totals of the week. So uh, good for the lions. It's a lot of fun. So, all right. I think that wraps up wide receiver, Ryan, we've got quarterback streamers this week and we've got a fresh name and uh, it's an exciting one. I'm excited about this one.
1: It it could be exciting. Yeah. I, I, I'm having trouble getting excited about (laughs) any of these quarterback streamers this week, but I, I guess Tyler Huntley is my QB 12 at the Steelers. Uh, We already talked about how the Steelers defense has kind of been turning around recently. So that this isn't like as big of a smash spot as you might think. Like the game total is kind of worrying as well. Like it's expected to be pretty low scoring in Vegas. So I I don't know that this is like shootout type territory, but look, this is now that Marcus Mariota is on bye and maybe done for the year, we have a new player that is the result of the Marcus Mariota thesis, which is if there's a quarterback who could potentially have double digit rush attempts. Then you have to rank him top 12. It's just it's just kind of how it works. Uh Huntley did have double digit rushing attempts last week in just three quarters, and he did it twice last year in relief of Lamar Jackson. So it yeah, it's just hard to push him very far down the ranks uh yeah that that's pretty much all I have to say on him like he did have that one huge blow-up game last year uh where it was like 35 fantasy points but didn't do much else in any of his others so there there's some volatility here for sure but I Hunt, Huntley's a clear streamer and like a, a a QB2 play that you're certainly happy to have in like a super flex league if you picked him up
0: yeah I'd be optimistic. I- in the past, the Ravens have certainly let Huntley sling it. Like, he's not one of these backups where they just hide him and, and don't run a passing offense through him. So, yeah, I don't know. It means lots of scrambling around and lots of passes. And unless they really just go into a shell against the Steelers, we'll see. But they don't really have any good running backs. So I, I don't know. I guess they don't have any good receivers either outside mm-hmm. of uh, Mark Anders. So I don't know what their strategy is here. But uh, it may just be more of the same where he does an impersonation of Lamar Jackson, and that's pretty good for fantasy purposes.
1: Yeah, yeah, that exactly that that'll work for production off the waiver wire for sure. Um, And then my other streamer is just on the other side of this game. Uh, I I think Kenny Pickett is viable this week. He's my QB 16. Uh, The Steelers are two and a half point home favorites. So that that definitely works. Uh, The Ravens, we always talk about them as a big pass funnel. They've been about league average in terms of fantasy scoring against quarterbacks this season. And I like my one thing that makes me nervous is Pickett has only topped 30 pass attempts once in his last four games. So I I don't know how willing the Steelers would be to go out of their shell. As you said, maybe maybe these are going to be two teams just kind of huddling over the ball and not wanting to do anything the entire game, uh, which would be bad for fantasy. But I, Pickett has been playing markedly better uh, in the last month or so. He's 15th in EPA per play in that time and actually 12th in air yards per attempt. So but not totally just Dinkin and Duncan pushing down the field a little bit. So I I think Pickett makes sense as a streamer or like a mid-range QB2 now.
0: Yeah. I I've watched him the last two weeks for what we saw and I think he looks pretty good. The problem is the offense is so conservative and the play caller is not real great and they're just running the ball a lot, but he runs himself. I, he'll give you some fantasy points with his rushing and I think he's got some talent. So I, I don't know if it's going to happen this year with the play calling, but, uh, yeah, I think QB 16 is a good spot for him. I'm glad you have him above. Like, I mean, I've seen some people out there touting like Ryan Tannehill as a streamer against Jacksonville. Uh, I saw him last week hobbling around. He's got two injured ankles. I would not want a piece of that. Like, I would much rather take a a healthy Kenny Pickett who can run the ball a little bit as opposed to Ryan Tannehill or, you know, some of these other options down below.
1: Yeah, I almost put Tannehill on the show sheet just to talk about him. But yeah, I agree with you completely. Like the the odds aren't great that they're gonna have on Burks this week. I yeah. I just don't like it. I, I have him down I, I think at like QB twenty two or so. So yeah. he yeah, he's not somebody that I'm looking to stream. He he is you're right though, he is getting a lot of buzz this week. I think I I mean, I understand it. The Jaguars defense is pretty pathetic, but it yeah.
0: Yeah. If he didn't have bad, too bad ankles and no pass catchers, I would be in. If he was healthy and he had trail on Burks, then yeah, sign me up.
1: Yep. All right. So since it's not Ryan Tannehill, that means my next kind of desperation streamer is the Brock Purdy. Um, the, the, I don't know why I did this to myself. I'm about to tell Brock Purdy. Uh, so he is my QB 17 against the Buccaneers. Uh, The 49ers are three and a half point home favorites against those Buccaneers and Tom Brady. So cool. That's that's great for the NFL in 2022. Uh, (laughs) I'm just thinking of Purdy as kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo, like what I just think, like, would I play Jimmy Garoppolo in this spot? I, I probably would as just like a kind of boring low ceiling high maybe high floor streamer i wouldn't say purdy has a high floor his floor is probably that he gets benched but this could potentially work out just with him dinking and dunking to all of the weapons that the 49ers have uh 5.6 air yards per attempt last week i think that was the lowest of any quarterback in the week so if that's how they're going to deploy him, i I mean, it will probably work, right? And Mm -hmm. I I think it is just worth saying that the 49ers are implied half a point more than the Steelers are this week. So if you're just thinking about Vegas and what they think, then they they actually think that Purdy is probably a better play than Kenny Pickett. But I, I couldn't quite get him above him.
0: Yeah, Vegas has been so high on the 49ers all year. Uh, even now they're still high on them. So it's it's fascinating. They've got a good defense and good play caller and good weapons. So maybe Purdy will make it happen here. So all right, you got one more on the sheet, even further down the depths of the QB landscape. Um you got your own Mac Jones.
1: Yeah, this this is another one where it's like I I feel like I should address him because I know people are going to want to play him this week. I have Mac ranked at QB21 against the Cardinals. So yes, the Patriots do have the highest implied total of any of the teams that we've talked about so far. Uh, they are also favorites and Mac Jones has a, has topped 35 attempts in back-to-back games, but, and the Cardinals are a good matchup for quarterbacks on paper. They've been the fifth best in the last month. So all, like all of these things should come together for a good Mac Jones streaming opportunity, but I, I don't know if this is just my like negativity bias as a Patriots fan and having to watch him every single week, but I, I just don't think he can get it done. Like he's horrible under pressure. He can never really get through his reads. Like he he just kind of takes a snap, uh, drops back about twelve steps. There's always an angle for the pass rushers because of that. And yeah, if it doesn't, if his first read isn't immediately open, he takes the sack or makes a bad throw. So it's just, it's tough for me to get on board.
0: All right. I think that's a pretty good rundown at quarterbacks. So let's move on to tight ends. Um, Ryan, I don't want to talk about all these names that I have here. So I'm going to pick and choose a few of them. I don't know why I put all these names on here, but um, let's look at some tight end streamers. Uh, Greg Dulcich is above the 50% threshold. He's 56% rostered, but I think he's back on the radar. He had eight targets, six catches, 85 yards last week. Uh, His problem has just been this passing offense is horrible and it's low volume, but I do think playing Kansas City in Kansas City should help with that some. So I do think Greg Dulcich is a decent play this week. Kind of similar for Evan Ingram. He's been super up and down, but uh, he's playing against a pass-funnel Tennessee defense, and we need to check on Trevor Lawrence's status, obviously. Uh, It would help to have him healthy, but um, Evan Ingram's at least shown a little bit of upside. So I actually have Dulcich as my tight end like nine this week, which is sounds horrible, but there's just, there just are not many options. Uh Evan Ingram, tight end 11. Those are the two best options. Um, I think it's worth noting that Taysom Hill is starting to get more interesting if Juwan Johnson continues to miss time. Mark Ingram is out for the year, like they're just running out of players to get the ball to. Uh Hill had a touchdown last week, so he's on the streaming radar at 47% rostered, but um, after that, I don't know, Ryan, do you want to talk about any of these guys? Like I have a uh, Conquo on the sheet. Like, I just really wanted to talk about him again. The Twitter hype starting, uh, you made fun of me last week, but people are coming around on a Conquo, Ryan. So I don't know if you're interested in his 20% target share against the Jaguars, but um, yeah, otherwise tight end, it's horrible.
1: I mean, I probably am interested in a twenty percent target share against the Jaguars. That does sound pretty good. And yeah, no, I'll I'll give you credit. Like every now, everybody is talking about him. You you were bringing this. You you were the sicko bringing him up like a week and a half ago. So good good on you for that. Uh, yeah, I I mean, Dulcich and Engram both just trolled us so bad last week. Like they neither of them had been really seeing much opportunity. Their targets and their roles had kind of been trailing off, and then. Obviously, they come through with good weeks. Taysom Hill is going to be the guy you need in best ball and will probably lose me a bunch of money in every format. Yeah, uh, the, yeah I, I I think the other guy we should touch on is Daniel Bellinger. Uh, yeah. the, you wrote down some numbers here that caught my eye, so why, why don't you give me your take on him?
0: Yeah, I mean, he was back from injury last week and played 97% of the snaps, so that's worth noting. Uh, the Giants need people to throw to. He had a little bit of momentum going before he got hurt and he had five catches on five targets last week. So the, the, the yardage was really low. I'm not sure how much touchdown upside there is in Bellinger's game. So it's kind of capped here, but I mean, Hey, he's playing all the snaps. It's kind of back in like the Foster Moreau range, you know, he's playing all the snaps. I'll get some targets. Uh, So I have him tight end 16. I mean, it's just, it's rough out there, Ryan. So um, we really need like David and Joku to get healthy or, Man, even Hayden Hurst being hurt is like that. That was like at least the top 15 option every week. Like it's getting rough out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll take Daniel Bellinger. Like if Foster Moreau was competing with Darius Slayton instead of Devonte Adams, like yeah. I, I could probably talk myself into that as a weekly play. So yeah, I, I think Bellinger is like a pretty good speculative ad. I, not that there's much more time to speculate on, but it, th- that's something that could work out, I think.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, tight end remains gross as always, but hopefully you found one and latched on to him by now. I mean, we've even got people like Dawson Knox had a, a goose egg last week. You know, it's just like there's just no consistency out there right now. George Kittle's struggling like it's just kind of a mess all over the place. So I don't know what to tell you. I hope you have one of the four good ones because it's uh, miserable otherwise. So. All right, Ryan, I think we're going to skip defensive streaming this week. Um, Check out Michael James's article. It's on the website. Uh, We went through some playoff defenses, but um, we're going to skip defenses. So I think that's a pretty good recap. Um, We're getting close to the playoffs, so it's getting towards the exciting part of the year. So stick with us. We'll help you win some championships. Hopefully uh, you are about to clinch some playoff spots. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back with you on the What We Saw podcast.